Hey, real quick, Craig here. If you're looking to take your six-figure business to seven figures and beyond, let's talk to see how the Built to Scale program can help you grow your business without sacrificing your personal life. Head to builttoscalehq.com to set up your one-on-one call with me. Welcome to Built to Scale, where we have real conversations with entrepreneurs just like you about what it takes to build a thriving business without sacrificing your personal life. My name is Craig Severinsen, and I help people make more money working with better clients while also working less. And now I'm sharing it all with you. Let's dive in. What's up, guys, and welcome to episode seven. Today, we're talking with Kelly Whitman, and I'm really excited about this conversation because Kelly gets real about some issues that really affect a lot of us when we're trying to grow our business. So here are a few things to look out for. Number one, the importance of dropping something that you feel like you should be doing, but maybe isn't serving your business. You know, there's a lot of pressure in our space to do certain things. Maybe you shouldn't be doing all of them. She shares an experience of how she overcame that. Number two, the importance of getting quiet, why it's hard, but why it's also important. And then number three, we talk about how you can overcome the anxiety of niching down so that your business can gain some major traction. I'm really excited for this episode. There's a lot of great stuff in here. Let's dive in. If you're explaining it to someone that doesn't know anything though, like what's the simplest version of like, this is what I do. I'm putting you on the spot. (laughs) That's all right. So I am a brand strategist and designer. And what that means is I help people communicate their business in a clear and consistent manner and show up consistently for their community. Very cool. So do you deal with just like the, I know some strategists are like really uh, design focused and some are really design and voice focused. Like where do you kind of draw the line in terms of what you do with your clients? Yeah. So we do a little bit of both because I believe showing up, you know, when we think about showing up for our community and and doing so consistently and cohesively, it's both that strategy. So the plan for communicating your brand, um, in terms of writing, but then a big piece of communicating the brand and your brand experience is also your visuals. So we dive into the strategy first and get really clear on how they want their brand to be communicated. And then we create visuals that really align and bring that that plan and that vision to life through the things like that we more traditionally think about when we think of brand, you know, the logos, the fonts and the colors and all of that fun stuff. Yeah, cool. I think, you know, what you just said about showing up for for your community and like I, I, everyone starts out thinking about brand as being just like, hey, hey, what's my logo? And, you know, let me get on Fiverr and I got a logo. Now I've got, you know, I've got a brand. That's so so cool. Um, but like <laughs> the idea of like your brand actually supporting a cause and supporting a vision and supporting and showing up for a community, I think is next level entrepreneurship. And I think that that's like the path everyone needs to get on if they want consistent growth. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, we think about, you know, when you're just getting started and it's so easy, I did this in my own business and I'm sure you probably were along the same lines. I think it's our just natural inclination to jump into the fun thing, right? And the easy thing, which is picking out a logo and picking out the fonts. But what we don't understand, and it comes with, it's a learning process, whether you learn it by yourself or you, you know, work with a professional 
is that your brand communicates so much more than just the logo and the fonts. And when you're not necessarily intentional about that, or you don't do the work to understand what that is, um, you can think that, oh, well, I just, I have this logo, so I have a brand and now I'm going to work on all of the other things versus when you are intentional about it from the beginning of like, this is who I want to serve so that my logo is going to speak directly to those people. And then it supports you in scaling and it supports you in reaching that next level because it's intentional and it's not just just what you like and what looks cool, right? Yeah, I love that. It's the flipping of, because I think we all, man, you're right. Like 100%, you start with uh, my first logo I bartered for, and then my second one I designed and had someone just mock it up for me. You know, like it, there's a switch at some point from this is all about me and I want to look good or I want to look professional to what is my audience really wanting and where mm -hmm. am I taking them and what do I envision for them? And how do I communicate that to them? Like there's a switch there of like internal versus external. Absolutely. And, and that's why, you know, hiring a branding professional isn't always the best first step for someone. And that's why I think there's definitely a purpose for things like Fiverr and just going on and getting a logo to get you started. Because a lot of the process of digging into that strategy and, and really understanding what you want your brand to stand for comes with experience and taking action. Um, I know for me, when I just started my business, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And I just, you know, kind of threw something together. And then once you start working with people, you start to understand how you want your brand to show up and what you really want to be communicating. And then you have the knowledge and the information that you're kind of armed with and ready to, to give to someone when you decide to invest in your branding and really dig in and say, you know, this is what I want my brand to be. I have that clarity and I'm ready to actually put it all together and then, you know, go out and, and have fun with it. Yeah, totally. So I want to take, I want to take a step back and I want to talk, you know, about like where you started. So why entrepreneurship, why starting your business? Like what got you into this whole path? I realized that I was unemployable. <laughs> I think maybe by like a lot of entrepreneurs, I always uh, thought that I could do things better. Um, and I wanted to do things my way for everyone that I had worked with. Uh, I began in the nonprofit space and event management and marketing. And I, you know, would throw out ideas and things wouldn't happen. And then I would get frustrated. My husband and I started a home renovation blog when we bought our first home about six years ago. And through connections that I had made with other bloggers, I started to notice that they needed support in digital marketing. And that's when I, I started offering services there um, and growing that organically. And through that, I met other bloggers and started, you know, connecting with them and realizing that they needed support in marketing. And I was like, I know marketing, I can do this. Um, so I started offering some marketing, you know, just digital marketing services, social media management, things like that. And it started to grow and or grow organically. And I'm like, oh, I could, you know, had that little more, another nudge, right? Of like, you could actually do this for a business. <laughs> um, and then about eight months later, I had a, a friend through a, a previous job reach out to me and her husband wanted to start this salsa company. She was like, hey, Kelly, can you do the marketing and the branding for us? I'm like, oh my gosh, this would be so much fun. Yeah. So I did it absolutely fell in love with the process. And I was hooked ever since like, yep, this is what I want to do. Um, I want to design and I want to help people and support people with their businesses and their marketing. And uh, the rest is history. Love that. 
there's so much in there. I think that every entrepreneur can relate to, especially the being unemployable and like being frustrated <laughs> in your corporate job. I've said this before. I think, you know, for me, I didn't like fit inside. I had this great opportunity to, to, to work with these cool companies, but I always felt unsatisfied and unhappy. And I thought there was something wrong in terms mm-hmm. of like, I should be happy, you know, or I should be like, man, I've got everything I want. I should be happy. Right. And I just wasn't, and it wasn't until I started my business that I realized, oh, it's cause I think differently and act differently. And I was in a box that I shouldn't have been in. Even, even at these great companies, I was in a box that I shouldn't have been in. So I think the, the real question that everyone has right now is, uh, how did the renovation go? And, uh, did your marriage survive the renovation? I hear that that is difficult. <laughs> uh, well, we're still renovating. Um, so it's going well, it's swimmingly, right? I mean, it's been almost six years and we're still, we're still going at it. Um, and then yes, our marriage has survived. I okay. will say, I'm glad that we started with the renovating. And then I feel like now having a child, um, you know, we've had so many arguments in the Home Depot aisle about paint colors and floor samples that now with a kid, it's like, this is easy stuff, right? We've, we've tackled the hard part about coming together on figuring out what color we're going to paint our room. So the whole kid thing was easy breezy. Easy. <laughs> That's uh, that's good. That that's really interesting. How do you balance renovation and business and family? Like, how how do you find that balance? It's a challenge. I mean, we're we're four months in at the the time of this recording into having um, our first child, and and I will say I'm thankful in that he also works from home. Uh, so having him here and, you know, for calls like this, right. Um, to get his support and and being able to watch her and then taking it day by day. I, I don't know, Craig, if you relate to this, but I am a very type a, and I was I'm very used to be, I should say pre-child, um, was very like, this is my day. I'm going to get up at, you know, five o'clock. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, and then I'm going to jump into this and then I'm going to do this. And it was very laid out. And a lot of the work that I've done on myself and just my, uh, that nature, I guess, would be to realize that I have to have a lot more fluidity in my schedule and a lot more patience and that Mm -hmm. things aren't always going to go the way that I want, especially with a four month old. Um, But I will say a lot of that renovating has helped as well, because if anyone has renovated their house, you probably know that it never goes as planned. (laughs) Um, So just really leaning into, you know, what can you work on and what do you have control very little, but what do you have control over? And then focusing your energy on there and and it's okay to be uncertain and just kind of go with the flow sometimes, which isn't the easiest answer. It's not always the easiest thing to do, but it helps. Yeah, I love that. And uh, no, I'm the exact opposite. I like wake up in the morning. I'm like, oh, I guess I better work today. What, what's on the? What should I do? What? <laughs> uh, I love that. I'm totally channeling. I'm starting to channel that. So I appreciate your honesty. <laughs> you know what uh, I've learned? I love what you're, and I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take what you said and like turn it a little bit because I love what you said. Um, and the example that I like to put is it's falling in love with the process because there's so much you can't control. You know, we talk about like oh, make X amount of money or make X amount of clients. I'm like, you can't force anyone to buy your stuff. You know, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't force a lot of these goals that we put. And so to me, it's about falling in love with the process, showing up every day and knowing what needs to be done. And I think that's why I'm so laid back about it. It's because like, I know the key things that if I show up and do these Mm -hmm. key things, the business moves forward. And there's so much more I would love to do 
But as long as those key things get done, the rest is like gravy on top. It's like the the bonus stuff that I get to get done. And that makes me feel really relaxed even when things don't go my way. Yeah. And it's, I think the the challenge, because I, I have, I 100% I agree with you. I think one of the hardest things for me was understanding and getting quiet enough to know what those things were, right? You know, when we're just starting out, everything can feel like it's a non-negotiable and I have to show up on all of the social media channels and, and I have to do all of the emails and I have to have all of the landing pages and everything, you know, I have to be everywhere all the time to everyone. And one of the best things that I did for my business was stop Instagram. And I did it now a year and a half ago. And it was one of those things of, well, you know, as a designer, I have to be on Instagram because it's the best way to showcase my work. And I realized that it was such a, rabbit hole for comparison and unhappiness. And every time I would get on the platform, I would just feel like crap about the work that I was doing. And and it wasn't driving leads, but I felt like I had to be right. So it was, you know, part of that process, getting quiet and really asking myself, is this moving my business forward? And that answer was uh, no. (laughs) So why not just, you know, take a break? And then a two week break turned into a month, which turns into two months, which has now been, um, you know, a year and a half. And I think we forget to get quiet and ask those questions to really figure out what are the things that are actually moving the needle forward in our business. Thank you so much for saying that. Like, I feel like that is powerful and it's something that we, we have all this false pressure on us to perform a certain way. And a lot of it is self-inflicted, but a lot of it is also this hustle culture that entrepreneurialism has, right? And to be able to say, you know what, like every designer has this pressure to be on Facebook or Instagram, but I looked at it and it's not serving my business. So I'm letting it go. That's powerful and that's inspiring. And so just thanks for, for saying that, you know, like, I think, I think that's, uh, I learned a similar lesson last year. It's like, I, I think as an entrepreneur, especially when you're solo, right, it's, it's the pressure plus there's no one to talk to really, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. even if you have a coach or even if you have a super supportive spouse, or even if you have, you know, these different aspects, nobody gets it the way you get it. And nobody has all the stuff in your head the way you have all the stuff in your head. So it's really easy to get just locked up in your head and in this cycle. And I love that you said, get quiet. Cause that was my lesson last year was like meditation and just taking time to like push those thoughts out or get them on paper or just get them out of your head so that you can breathe and you can think about, Oh, this is my next step. That's a game changer. And it's so hard, I guess. Well, I want to ask you, did you find it challenging? Um, because you are maybe since you have more of a, a natural inclination to be laid back, did you find it easier to get quiet? Because I know for me, it was very challenging. It's still something that I struggle with. Kelly, I interview you. You don't interview me. You're you're asking me (laughs) questions now. I don't know about this. (laughs) I'm joking. But I totally was setting up that joke and I forgot the question. The question was. (laughs) (laughs) Did you find it hard to get to be quiet and to get quiet? Uh, Yes. 100%. Yes. It it was, you know, I, I think meditation is one of those things. So first of all, Ever since I started being an entrepreneur, it's like everyone is constantly telling you meditate, meditate, meditate or journal. And I'm like, forget that noise. Like, that's just like, I'm not, that's not me, you know? Um, And so I just got to a point where I was a ball of anxiety. You know what I mean? It was just like, everything was just like building up. And meditation I've discovered was, it's one of those things that if you do it once, it doesn't really do much. Sometimes it does, but like 
it's the practice of doing it that yep. develops patience and it de develops the skill of quieting and calming. It, I like to think of it this way. If like your emotions are like a roller coaster, the meditation calms that down so mm -hmm. that you've got space to just be tranquil. So like if things go wrong, you don't flip out. You know, if things go really well, you don't like go, you, you're not extreme either way. You like find that happy medium. Yep. I notice for me, I can't always tell what it does for me when I do it, but it's when I stop and then I can see that contrast, right? So like if I'm doing my morning routine every morning and, and part of that is, you know, getting quiet, reading, journaling a little bit, reading a passage, um, the, the day goes really smooth and, but I don't notice it, right? Because it's going smooth. So there's nothing to really like, oh, you know, what the heck's going on? But when I don't do it, I, it's usually then I can see how it affects the rest of my day. And that's what gets me back into it. So it's hard to maintain that habit because you don't necessarily see the change every day when you're doing it. It's only when it's not happening uh, for me anyways. And um, that's always my good, like, oh, you need to get back on that train, Kelly. You kind of fell off a little bit and it's a good reminder. That's, that's a great way of looking at it. For you, how often is like the uh, is the cadence? Is this like an everyday thing for you, or is it like once a week? Like how often do you? Every day, um, I have noticed, especially um, with having a you know a child and needing to have that. I agree with your roller coaster um, analysis and kind of uh, that example. I am 100% the same way. It just helps me stay grounded throughout the day and realizing what's important and starting quiet. Um, so every day I will uh, journal and I'll do my gratitude practice of what am I grateful for today. And then I will also do a little bit of quiet meditation, not a lot, um, or usually in the morning or if I, if I go to bed and need some help sleeping. But I've noticed too on that piece, it really helps me fall asleep. Um, and it's something that has become a non-negotiable. I know when I start to get busy and, or feel right, I get that feeling yeah. of like, oh my gosh, I've got so many things to do and I'm so behind. That's when I really have to buckle down because it's usually the first thing that I'll let go of. Oh, I don't need to spend the 15, 20 minutes doing that this morning. I can just dive right into client work. And then the rest of my day is affected. So it's um, that story, right? That says, oh, you yeah. don't need to do that. You're fine without it. Um, you can just you know, sneak by this today. And then one day usually turns into two to three. And then I realize that I've totally fallen off the bandwagon and I need to jump back in and um, get into it. So I think you just you you just summarized the key that takes everyone forever to learn. And like you have to relearn it over and over again. It's things like health and, and mental health, like you have to prioritize those and build your day around them rather than try mm -hmm. to fit them into your day. Like business will always just fill up whatever space you give it. So like, if you don't, if you're not yeah. intentional about, Oh my goodness, I'm going to, I am going to do X thing. I'm going to walk every day or I'm going to eat healthier. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to do whatever it is that you need to do. Then, um, then it just, it, it gets lost, right? Like you've got to build and you've got to be, you've got to be, um, what's the word? Like not, you can't feel guilty about it. Like you got to take it and you've got to be proud of it. You can't feel guilty about it, you know? Yeah. And I, it's always that the thought is, you know, for me, well, I should be doing something else. Right. And I should be spending this time on, I only have two hours in between naps. I should be spending this on my clients or growing my business. And it's, 
I always have to remind myself of, you know, Kelly, this is the work that is growing your business. Because if I'm not taking care of my mental health, I'm going to show up like shit for the rest of the day. And I'm not going to be able to be creative, which is what my business is built on. Um, and we forget that the things that we can't see, um, like the, the mental health and the mindset work is in growing our business. It's just not in that direct deliverable way and tangible way that we can attribute everything, you know, X, Y, and Z too. Um, so we think it doesn't matter. At least that's usually what comes up for me. hundred <laughs> percent. And I think, you know, I, I felt a fire being lit in my belly as you're talking about that, because like one of the things I'm really passionate about is that we forget that life is meant to be lived. We're supposed to be happy yeah. too. You know what I mean? Like it's okay to take time to be happy or to take a nap or to do whatever <laughs> it is you need to do. And you don't have to feel guilty about that. That's part of the balance and beauty of life. You know what I mean? And it takes some untraining on our part um, in terms of like I, our culture and society is really built on, you know, hard work equals money and you got to do this and you got to do that or you're not worthy of whatever mm -hmm. you get. And that's just not true. That's not the way the world works. And so like you've got to unlearn some of that stuff. But man, when you can, you can live a life that's just awesome and fun. And not just for yourself too, but I, I think it affects how you show up for everyone else. And I've been, especially since having a kid, a lot more aware of how I want to be outside of my business and realizing that how the things that I do and the work that I do in my business affects afterwards, right? Like we don't, especially as entrepreneurs and business owners, we don't just work the nine to five and then we get to check out, right? I, yeah. even if we shut off, it still bleeds into the rest of our lifestyle. And if you're not taking care of yourself for your business, then it's not, how are you then, how can you decide to take care of yourself outside of your business, you know? Um, because it does have such and play such an integral role of your entire life, yeah. So taking care of yourself is taking care of your business and vice versa, right? Like, because mm -hmm. they're so closely related. Love that. So where, where's your, uh, where are you going? What's, what's the goal where we're working towards? What's next for you and your business? Oh, I love this question and it's changed. Um, which is so exciting, right? I, I, I think depending on my season of life, I feel like it evolves and it's so fun to see the different things that, um, I want. So in this season right now, um, I'm in a space of hiring on and bringing on some team to support me uh, and my business so I can do the work that really lights me up, which is the branding, um, the strategy, the design, and the website design, um, but not the like website building. So I brought on a website developer and she's uh, supporting me and I have a virtual assistant who's doing the social media. As I mentioned, I am not a fan of Instagram and I think that goes for just blanket social media. <laughs> so she's helping support there. Um, so I'm kind of in this phase of figuring out who my next hire will be uh, so that I can really focus on where my zone of genius is and support my clients in my best ability and still give them uh, a brand that supports them in their business um, and all the, the facets that go into that. So scaling team and then also uh, bringing in and doing some digital products. I'm in the process of creating a brand messaging course that I'm really excited about yeah. and uh, hope to have that live here in the next uh, couple weeks. And yeah, in this phase of how can I continue to support my clients and my community yeah. in helping them build a strong brand, but not necessarily work that I have to do one-on-one, -on -one. Um, you know, with, I know you have kids too. It's, yeah. It just shifts your mindset of, you know, how much time do I really want to be working on my business um, versus spending it with my daughter and helping her. She's in such a fun age and I want to be able to give her the attention and the time that she deserves. Love that. Love that. Love that. You know, and I, what you're, what you're going through is it's essentially, 
increasing capacity to scale. And I love that you're looking at this as like, how do I grow and how do I make my business scale without sacrificing family time, without sacrificing personal life? Like so many times the answer to scale for entrepreneurs is, oh, I'll just, I'll work 40 hours, you know, I'll work 60 hours a week, you know, or I'll work, you know, more, I'll just put in more time. And uh, the truth is, is that when you leverage things like team or uh, a product like what you're offering, that's one to many, man, that makes life so much easier to just like be able to grow the business, have stable income, stable business processes and have a life. So I love what you're doing with that. What's been the biggest challenge uh, that you're facing right now? (laughs) Um, Besides, you know, bringing a human into the life and figuring out that whole thing. Tied to that, I will say, you know, my biggest challenge now is maintaining that. I don't want to say balance because I hate that word, um, but maintaining this idea of being able to support my lifestyle while still growing my business. Um, because I still have, you know, the, the dreams and the goals that I had for my business before I had a child, they're still there. They're, if not more so, they're stronger because now it's even more of, oh, I want to support her and um, I want to be able to do these things with her and my husband. We want to travel and yeah. all of these you know, new things that we want to add to our life that the business can support. So um, I think the, the challenge is growing while maintaining the level of integrity and the support that I want to have for my clients while still, while not requiring me to work even more and show up more for my business and, and kind of doing the opposite, right? Um, being able to support my community and my clients even more while working less and what that looks like and figuring out what that looks like because this is all new territory for me. And it's exciting. I yeah, I love that because that's, you know, part of what I do with my clients is we do interviews with their clients. One of the things that I found is that lots of times the way we feel that our clients experience value or that we feel the marketplace ex- experiences value from us is not the same. Like what we think and what is the truth is not the same. And mm-hmm. once you can figure out, oh, here's how, this is what my clients really want from me. It allows you to cut out all this junk and focus on just the core pieces. So that's like, and, and so that's how you can do that, you know, like really bring in your uh, your business to focus on just those core things so that your your business can grow without sacrificing, you know, everything else. Yeah, that's wonderful. I'm sure you probably, with the clients that you work with, I'd be curious to find out what they're what they think, and then how radically different it is from what the client actually likes, right? Because we can get so in yeah. our head about <laughs> the deliverables, and well, this is it for sure what they want, and then it's um, nowhere near. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's typically. It's typically, sorry, I'm getting messages. Uh, let me turn this off. Um, it's typically adjacent, you know, where it's like, we think um, we think this one thing is, it. you know, I'll use myself as, as an example. I was, I, I did this process, I do this every year. I'll do interviews with my clients, right? And uh, this past time that I did it, I was building one type of business model. I was really following kind of like the coaching business model where I was trying to get mm-hmm. more people into like a group program. And I thought that people were experiencing value more from my training and frameworks. And when I got into it, uh, what they were telling me is, Craig, what we really like is the one-on-one plan and accountability. And I was like, wait a minute, that doesn't match where I'm headed. 
maybe I should kind of switch gears here. And what I discovered is that, you know, when you listen to your audience, I mean, I already knew this, but when you listen to your audience, man, they're going to tell you what is your, um, what is like your unique positioning in the marketplace? Like what sets you apart? And mm-hmm. they're going to tell you exactly what they're going to purchase. And so you can just build it and they'll buy it. It makes everything so much easier. Like it makes your life <laughs> so much easier if you just listen to the people who are throwing money at your face. Like I know that sounds like such a duh thing, but how many of us like we do it all the time. All of us do it all the time. Where it's like we think this is what you want. So I'm going to build it for you. But I didn't actually ask and I don't I don't really want to want to ask because I'm scared of the answer, you know. But uh, I got off track here. Your question was, how close is it? It's normally adjacent. You know what I mean? And in doing this with clients, I see normally it's like one or two steps away. What you think they want and what they actually want, you're close, but you're not quite there. Interesting. And it probably starts too. So a lot of the the work that I do um, with clients when we're focusing on the strategy is really having them nail down their ideal client and figuring out who that is. And there's so much scarcity around that. Do you... Does that come up or the people who come to you usually already have an idea of who they, based off of who they already have worked with, so they have that ideal client kind of picture or profile? That's a great question. Uh, So I think that lots of times, even when we niche, we don't really niche. You know what I mean? Like we choose our niche, you know, oh, I work with X people, you know, doctors for some reason is always the example I use. So, oh, I work with doctors, but like within the doctor field, you know, there's, there's a huge range of people still. So, um, in this process of interviewing your clients, what we actually will do is rank the clients. Like, so, you know, we'll figure out what's important to you. So like how much money they make, is that important? Like how much revenue you're getting off them? What's, uh, do you enjoy working with them? Uh, are they in the right places? Are you doing the work that like, is their business in the right place? Is the work you're doing something you enjoy doing? You know, we have all these criteria we rank them on so that you get a a top and bottom clientele. And what you'll normally see is inside of that niche, there is a real sharp, like they're at this business level. They are doing these things. They, you know, have they're in this industry. Like you get a really clear picture of who they are. And then those are the people you interview and ask what they want. And then you, so, so it's like taking your niche to like a really micro level mm-hmm. and then building your offer around that niche so that you can replicate and grow your client base based off of that kind of like, uh, archetype or that, that type of person. Yep. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. I love that. I get really nerdy. I nerd out on this stuff. So I, hopefully I didn't bore you with it. <laughs> no, I, I love how I love how focused you get because that's one of the things that, um, you know, depending on, I guess, the phase of business of the someone that I work with, usually it's, I should say, most of the time when it's a new business owner, all of the scarcity comes up around, well, I can't niche down like that. I want to work with everyone, um, right? You know, that's the thing of, well, I want to work with um, empty nesters, but on my website, I want to talk to everybody. And I'm like, well, no, you're missing the point though, because that's <laughs> the point of niching down is to really speak to them so that you can have your brand message resonate with that specific type of person. And they know that you're a hell yes when they get to your website and they communicate with you and experience your brand. Um, so I, I appreciate that you get so narrow focused and I'm sure it probably helps to reiterate the importance of zoning in on that person, the perfect for you client, um, and really who you can serve best and support best. So I've got a ridiculous analogy around cookies that you can steal, right? Explain niching. You ready? Okay. So here's the analogy. You're at a party. There's like tons of people in a room and they're all in little groups talking 
and you baked a wonderful batch of cookies, right? So you walk in and say, hey, guys, I've got cookies over here. Who wants cookies? You know, you're in a party. It's loud. You're yelling. Nobody responds. But if you start walking up to the people and the individual groups and saying, hey, guys, how you doing? I've got some cookies over here. They're really good. Would you like to try some? Guess what? Every group's going to start buying from you Every or not buying from you. They're going to start eating the cookies, right? So uh, it's the same with niching. If you're in the party just yelling, nobody's going to respond. But if you start going group to group, just start with one group. Guess what? You start to see things happen. So uh, that's, that's my ridiculous one. cookie analogy, but it works. I don't know why. <laughs> I people love it. Well, cool. Kelly, I am going to steal that. Thank yes, you. Steal it. Steal it so uh, tell us if someone wants to learn more about you, they want to work with you, maybe where do they go? Where do they find you? Yes, I would love that. Uh, you can head over to my website. It's witandcompany.com. And I have a newsletter called The Branded Chat. I send out on a weekly basis. That's usually the best way to engage with me and, and hop into my community. Awesome. Witandcompany.com. Spelled out company, right? Yes. So W-I-T-T-A-N-D-C-O-M-P-A-N-Y. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kelly. Thank you, Craig. I really appreciate it. You bet. See ya. Thanks so much for listening. If this episode helped you, share with someone who needs to hear it as well. For more information on how you can work with me and great resources for your business, head over to builttoscalehq.com. Join us next time for Built to Scale. And until then, take some fast-focused, imperfect action. I believe in you. I got your back. We'll talk soon.